But thank God for His Son. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God that He would send His only begotten Son for somebody like me. For somebody like you. If you would, when you have found your place, we're going to be in Acts chapter number 24. Acts chapter number 24. We'll be looking at the chapter. Everybody don't hold your breath or get excited. We'll be looking at the whole chapter, but our emphasis will begin in verse number 22 today. And I believe if we'll open our hearts, if you ain't opened your heart already, can I say you can open your heart now? And hear the Word of God. How many of you know the Word of God is living? The Word of God is alive. The Word of God will reflect us exactly who we are and what we are and what we need from Almighty God. Boy, God is good and He's given us His precious Word to know who we are and know what He wants us to do. And God's got a plan for every life in here today, every soul that's living and breathing. He's got a plan for you. Hear me, He's got a plan for you. He's got a want and a desire for your life. And today just might be the day, listen, if you'll open your heart, that God just go right in and show you exactly where you are. Exactly where you are. Verse number 22 of chapter number 24. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a sentry on to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperaments, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. Notice the response. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day that you have provided us, God. God, I know that the truth is we don't deserve it, God. God, we don't deserve to be able to sing praise unto you or be able to speak your name and pray unto you. God, much less open your precious word and speak your name. But God, you allow us. God, you want us. God, you love us. God, I thank you for your love. God, the very grace and mercy that you shine down upon us. God, I know that there is probably just multitudes of different people in this place today, God, with different needs. God, open holes in their life, God. God, open decisions. God, I'm sure there's some depressed and downtrodden and down and out, God. God, some of their life just seems to be a mess. God, there's not one that couldn't say they've been there at some point in time in life. So God, I ask for you to do what only you can do. 
And God, that is through your precious words, show us who you are. God, show us how great you are. God, show everything that you've done for us. And God, I pray by the testimony of your word, God, that lives be changed and people be saved. God, that you receive all the honor and the glory and all the praise for what will ever be done and said, God. God, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you Bible scholars that are in the house this morning will recognize that Paul is well removed from the persecution that he faced some 20, or or not the persecution, but the persecuting. Let me get that right. How many of you know how bad Paul was? How, how, uh, How he would feast upon those who served God and worshiped God. How he would make sure they got beaten, battered, and bruised, and hey, even murdered, folks. Paul was a murderer. It was by his command many times that people would lose their head and lose their life. We don't have to look very far of old Stephen to know that. Uh, Paul watched it take place by his command. But it's some 26 years later, and now the persecutor is now the persecuted. The persecuted. Isn't it interesting how when someone gives their life, truly gives their life to Christ, they go from the persecutor to the persecuted. Yes. And we find ourselves in a bit of trouble. And I know that many times we'd rather whine about our trouble than just to give God praise for our trouble. Anybody want to give God praise for their trouble? Hey, we ought to be able to, folks. A sufferer for Christ's sake, not our own. You say, preacher, that's easy for you to say. Yes, it is, and it's very hard to live. It's very hard to praise God in storms. It's hard to praise God in persecution. It's hard to praise God when you don't feel like praising God. Uh Uh-oh. Preacher, how could you say such things? Yes, there's times in your life when it gets so bad and so dark that you don't feel like you can praise God. But can I tell you, listen, the only thing special about Paul was he was called by God. He got saved, folks. He got gloriously saved. And for you and I, listen, there's nothing that can hold us back from achieving what God has for us. God's best for us, even in the very trial, even on trial, folks. And there's some of you in here today, you're on trial for your life. You say, preacher, how do you know my business? I do not. Listen, and let's just set this straight again. People say this all the time. I do not know your business. I got so much business, I don't know your business. I'm trying to keep up with my business. Now, that don't mean I don't care about your business. I pray about your business, all right? Let's cover all the bases here. We don't want to leave nobody leaving upset or offended, all right? Huh? But we've all been there, folks. We've all been there. But I really don't want to focus on Paul today. What? You don't want to focus on Paul today? No, there's more to the story. There's more to the story. So let's just kind of run down and see what's going on here. Well, first, we thank God for the inspired Word of God to the recording that we have before us. Y'all do realize it's a recording. Praise God. And we see here God's intervening hand. 
You say, where's God's intervening hand? Paul can't get out of house arrest. I think it'd probably be a little bit more than house arrest. It's got to be pretty uncomfortable, right? House arrest today is pretty easy. Well, some of y'all say it ain't. Come on now, where you at? Huh? But think about this. We see God's intervening hand. And we can stop there and praise God for His intervening hand. I say we can praise God for His intervening hand. Had it not been for His intervening hand, where would you be? You say, would His intervening hand put Paul in jail? Would, would it put Paul in prison? Would it put Paul under persecution? You better believe it would. Oh, you better believe it would. Where did it leave Stephen? Huh? Yes, it will throw you right into the trial, folks. Might even put you in a little bit of trouble. What am I saying, Dave? Be encouraged when the trial comes. Be encouraged when the trouble comes. Because you can praise Him through it. Because God is intervening. And it may just not be intervening for you. It might be for somebody else. Some of y'all know where we're going this morning. Huh? You know where we're going this morning. The intervening hand of God. Do you realize today there would be some that never hear the gospel had it not been for the intervening hand of God? Some of you are sitting here today, you have no idea, you do not understand it, but it's by God's intervening hand that you're sitting here today, that you're hearing the gospel preached today, that you've been able to worship today. It's because God has made it possible. God has maybe moved somebody else to move you. Huh? And so you're not here by accident. You're not here by a mishap. You're here under the divine plan of Almighty God. Amen. You might say, I just can't believe that. I mean, I'm the one that made up my mind to come. Sure you did, but guess what? God got you here. God got you here. And so I, I ask you today to examine yourselves. You do know it's okay to examine yourself. I mean, because now you're here, you're under... By divine plan, the gospel. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do these next few minutes. You got a few minutes? You better believe you do because I'm preaching. All right? Examine your heart today, folks. Somebody has intervened that you be here today. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Let's look at this together. Let's kind of uh, let's kind of just kind of catch up a little bit. Let's set the scene a little bit here. Paul stands on trial, and there's a prosecution, and there's a defense. How many of y'all been to court? Ain't nobody want to raise their hand. Look at y'all. Ain't nobody nobody want to say they've been to court. Y'all ever sat on a jury? Well, come on, we got a few nods. All right, yes, amen. Don't you love doing that? Yes, right? Some of y'all may even been guilty. I don't know. We ain't even going to go there today, all right? Huh? But this is much like a courtroom scene, folks. So get that in your mind. There's a prosecution and there's a defense. Now, the bad news is there's plenty on the prosecution side. There's only one on the defense. Amen? But praise God, he ain't alone. Praise God, he's not on his own. Praise God, he's not looking to be on his own. But he's going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to use him. 
Who is that? His name is Paul. Who's leading him? His name is Jesus. Huh? So watch this. We're going to set this scene a little bit. We got this courtroom. We got the prosecution. We got the defense. And now we got a prosecutor. All right? And just to catch you up a little bit, in chapter number 24, we've got the prosecutor who uses in the very opening flattering words to the governor. Now that's Felix, all right? How many of you know prosecutors love to use some flattering words on the judge? Well, if not, they better, all right? Matter of fact, the defense will try it too sometimes, but we don't see that here. Hmm? So he opens up and he's telling... Well, he's really telling lies. I mean, really. I mean, just to make him feel good. Maybe just to get him to side with him, okay? Anybody ever been there? You was on trial, huh? No? I mean, Sister Ann said, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no. <laughs> good on the first part, bad on the second part, right? No, on the second part. It's bad that I can see all y'all, okay? I, I try not to, all right? I'm sorry. So we see the courtroom here. We see the prosecutor, and we see the prosecutor giving flattering words before Felix. Felix, the man, just to give you a little background here, because this is going to be important, he's a pretty ungodly fellow. That's the governor. Matters of fact, he's got three wives at this point. Y'all know that is wrong, right? Hope nobody brought in their three wives, because you're wrong. All right? You're living in sin. Huh? But not only that, folks. He was brutal to the people. You see, he goes in and talks about the flattery of words with quietness and how peaceful it is of, a, of an area, of a territory that he is leading. But the truth is, it's only quiet, it's only silent because they're made to be silent. See, he used brutality against the people. What a terrible, wicked individual Felix is. See, I'm telling you that so you can beat up on Felix. See, everybody's got a bad taste in their mouth for Felix, right? Well, just hang on, because you might be sitting here. You might be Felix today. Wait a minute. Oh, preacher, I just can't believe you just said that. Wicked? Ungodly? Huh? How many of you know any sin against God is sin against God? Folks, could we come to the place where we call sin exactly what it is? Yes! Listen, it's unpleasing to God, and all sin is against God. It's against God. But now, as we go further down, you'll see in verse number 5 of chapter number 24, he says, For we have found this man a pestilent fellow, a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Boy, <laughs> he wishes... Can I tell you what Paul did do? He spread the gospel, folks. And folks, he went peacefully with the gospel. Why? Because he calls it the gospel of peace. Because when Jesus comes in, there's peace, folks. But yet, it doesn't stop them from making false accusations. There is one thing he's guilty, and that is preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. And praise God, if persecution brings it, then let persecution bring it. But here are the accusations against Paul, a pestilent fellow. How ridiculous does that sound? A ringleader of the Nazarenes. And you know the Nazarenes were the Christians. They were Christ followers at that time. 
a profaner of the temple. I think he was the only one trying to help the temple. Huh? He was the only one trying to help the temple. But yet, here comes the accusations. We want to get past these accusations because, well, they're false anyway. And then we go down to verse number 10. And Paul goes on the defense. Can I tell you this? I, I, I just got to stop here. For the child of God, understand this morning, you're going to be on trial. We, we've got to hit this before we move on. You are going to be on trial. But what cannot be missed in this passage of Scripture is who's behind it. Huh? Hear me, child of God. If you do have a trial and you do have... You know where these accusations came from? Do you know where they welled up inside of? The man who was lost. People undone before God who did not have Christ. And guess whose power they're under? The power of Satan. The power of Satan, folks. I think many times if we could understand who's behind it all, we could get further ahead down the road. You see, it would have been no good for Paul to hate Felix. It would have done no good for Paul to hate those that are the centra. It would have done no good for Paul to hate any of them. It would have got him nowhere. Because the one behind it all is Satan himself. But in verse 10, we see Paul goes on the defense. You see, a sign of a, a Christian that is seasoned in the Word, who's in the Word, and baby Christians, y'all can do this on the milk too if you just get on the milk. You'll realize who your enemy is. You'll realize who the attacker is, and then you'll be able to take it to God. Hear me today. You better realize who it is. But here is Paul. He's moving through that. He goes on defense. He will not be shut up by that. He will not give in to that. And he goes on the defense denying the charge. But not only denying the charge, but making a confession of his faith, folks. With truth of what God has done. And in verse number 22, if you would go there with me. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. Can I tell you that he knew more a perfect knowledge because of verse number 14. Look at it. But this I confess unto thee. This is who's speaking? Anybody? This is Paul. But this I confess unto thee that after the way which they call heresy... So worship I the God of my fathers. Look how clear he is. Believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Who do, what does he do? He testifies to Almighty God who he serves, who he has worshipped. Because let me tell you something. The heart of Paul was, hey, put me on trial. Do what you want to do. But let's make sure the record is straight. I'm serving and worshipping God. And folks, that should be the testimony of the believer today. 
Trial me, test me, persecute me, but make sure the record is straight. I serve the living God. I serve the living God. I serve the living God. Paul is then held in waiting. Verse number 23, And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul. And to let him have liberty that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. You might say, well, that's awfully nice of him to do that. Can I tell you that's divine, folks? See, it's not by accident, number one, that Paul was there. Are y'all getting this? Are y'all with me? Because if you miss this, I'm telling you, you have missed the boat, all right? Number one, it's no mistake that Paul's there. It's no mistake that Paul is questioned. It's no mistake now that Paul is being held. Did you notice how he's being held? He can have people come to him fro. Huh? God will take care of his people in the storm, folks. Huh? He'll give, provide them encouragement right in the middle of the trial. Okay, so not only does that take place, but here it is, God's divine hand again, God's divine appointment. Here is Paul. He's being held over. Now, for most of us Christians, this would be the point where we say, Thanks, God, you didn't get me released. I stood up for you, and look, I'm still here. Huh? See, there's more angles than one to this message, folks. See, the problem is we come in thinking it applies to this one or that one, and we'll look around to see who it applies to. It applies to you. It applies to you and I today. Think about this. Then we see in verse number 24, And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, look at here, they're going to see who? Paul. Huh? Which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. He's about to hear it again. Hey, he's actually asking for it again. Hello? Could it be that God is stirring? Could it be that God is moving? Well, let's examine exactly what Paul says here. Verse number 25, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. Felix trembled. Well, let's look at number one, righteousness. Paul speaks of righteousness. Now you say, now preacher, do you know exactly what he said? I got no idea. But I'm sure he had the same words that we do. Hear me. So what is it that he could have told him about righteousness? How about this, the righteousness, the standard of God's law? That don't excite some of you. Huh? Do you realize that God has a standard, folks? Do you know that it is not our standard or somebody else's standard? God is the standard himself, folks. You don't live up to my standard or who I am. You don't live up to the standard of anybody around you. You live up to the standard of a holy, righteous God. Folks, He's the one who has the law because He is the law, folks. He is His precious Word. Righteousness, the standard of God's law. I wonder what that must have sounded like. Maybe all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Huh? Yes, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say, could Paul have said that? Well, that's written around the time of 56 A.D. Anybody like history? Well, sure you do. 56 A.D. and we're around 59 A.D. Hmm? You better believe Paul could have easily shared that with him. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know who that includes in here today? Everybody. 
everybody. And can I tell you, as nasty and filthy and dirty rotten as old Felix was, it applied to him. It applied to him. Folks, hear my heart today. I can just hear, I could just hear Paul saying, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hey, or maybe Psalms chapter number 1. Think about that. Psalms chapter number 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Does this apply? You better believe it does. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doeth he meditate day and night. I could just hear him telling Felix, listen, God has a standard. And listen, he loves you. He's died for you. But guess what? You've got to do something about your sin. Yes. You're sinful before an almighty righteous God. And right now today, we're still dealing with that three-letter word. Sin. Sin. But first, folks, we must understand first, God is the standard. God is righteous. He's the one who's righteous and holy, folks. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And that hurts, don't it? Because I don't even enjoy thinking about that, do you? All dirty, filthy, and nasty. But yet that's the way we are before a holy, righteous God. Yes. You say, well, where did sin enter in? Why don't you go to Genesis? That's where it all began. You say, but I wasn't there. It wasn't me who took the apple, ladies. Men, you say, I'm not the one who ate it. But you would have if you was there. Hmm? And now today, you and I deal with sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's glory is the standard, folks. Is the standard. Number two, he speaks of temperance. What in the world does that mean? Self-control. You say, why would that have applied to Felix? Well, what applied to Felix applies to us today. Self-control. And do we ever live in a time when we need just a little bit of self-control? Yes. Look at his life. Look at the mess that it was in. Look how he had... Listen, he wasn't given even a thought to the things of God. And you might be here today. Listen, I love you, but you may not even be given a thought to the things of God. Can I tell you, that's not changed. His love towards you. Not a bit in the world. But it doesn't mean He's pleased with your life. And it certainly doesn't mean that you'll spend eternity with Him either. Self-control. I mean, here's a man out of control. Brutal against his own people. He takes whatever he wants. Y'all do realize he had the third wife because the other two weren't enough. Huh? Let's be real. That's hard to believe, ain't it, Brother Jack? I mean, ladies, I don't mean that in no negative way. But I thank God for mine. Huh? Never enough. Never enough, right? 
Never enough. More, more, more. He's in his lust, folks. Let's call it what it is. Lust and worldliness. Sounds like things we deal with today, isn't it? Lust and worldliness. And I can just imagine Paul preaching about sin being bondage and Christ being freedom. I can imagine him preaching John 14, 6. Where Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Can you imagine? He's doing everything he can to tell him everything to lead him to the Savior. Yes. That Jesus is the way. That Jesus is the truth. You know, we quote that scripture so many times, but I wonder how many truly believe it. Folks, there is no other way, and we live, like, we live our lives like there's so many ways to God, like there's so many ways to heaven. But just as he's telling Felix, I tell you today, there is no other way. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Yes. If you're cleansed today, if you're washed today, it's because of Jesus' blood, not because of anybody else's. Think about that today. He is the way. He is the truth. You really want truth for your life. Some of you got a, listen, you got a mess going on. I ask you, you want to know what real truth is? Seek God. Seek God. Folks, He'll light your pathway. He'll light your pathway. Number three, we see the judgment to come. Hey, righteousness, temperance, and the judgment to come. You might say, why in the world he have to go to judgment? Because, folks, it's a reality. It's a reality. And the problem today is most don't want to talk about it. Most don't want to teach about it. Most don't want to preach about it. But there is a judgment day. You say, how is that? What's going to take place? Can I tell you again, John 14, he said, I will come again. Folks, he's coming back. And people are living their lives unprepared for that day. You might say people have been preaching that for every day. Well, guess what? You know what I've been to here lately? A lot of funerals. Huh? I've been to a lot of funerals. And you know what I'm reminded all the time is this life is short and it ain't about here, folks. You do not know when your next last breath will be. You do not know. And we can pretend like we, listen, we can pretend and play all the Mickey Mouse games we want to. But folks, you will not go to heaven without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You will not go to heaven without asking Him to forgive you of your sin. You will never see glory. What you will see is a devil's hell. And folks, don't think for a second there haven't been distractions in this room already today because the devil wants you to go to hell. The devil wants you to live discouraged. He wants you to live defeated. Think about this. What kind of testimony do you have if you don't live for God? Don't think he's not at work today to hold you back. You say, preacher, what are you getting at? Paul preaches and look at the response. 
Look at the response of Felix. And I believe Paul poured his heart out to reach him. Verse number 25. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. You know what that is? The movement of Almighty God. God shook him up. And you know what I ask today? Have you opened your heart? Have you heard the gospel that Jesus loves you? Hey, that God sent His only begotten Son to die for you, folks. To shed His blood that you might be saved. Taking care of sin forever. Do you realize no matter what happens to me or what I face, I'm saved. I'm gloriously saved. And the devil can never take my salvation from me. Why? Because when I trembled, huh? when I trembled, I received Christ. But look what happens here. Look what happens here in verse number 25. Felix trembled. And look at his answer. Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season. Did y'all notice that word there? When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And we've got a bunch of people today that are looking for a convenient season. A convenient time to be saved. A convenient time to call out to God to save them. That they wouldn't spend eternity in hell. But folks, why don't you do it? When God stirs you, when God reaches down, do you realize He's reaching down from glory to get you? To stir in your heart. But yet you wait for a convenient season. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait. Can I tell you, this might be the last time God stirs in you. You're not promised that He'd stir again. And you can't get saved if He ain't working on you. You wait for a convenient season to be saved. Then there's the child of God who is saved. And God will tell you everything He wants you to do to have victory in your life. Huh? But it's going to be tough to get there. Huh? Anybody? Oh, it's going to be tough getting there. I'm going to have to get through a lot of stuff. It ain't going to be convenient. Huh? Preacher, you know what? I'll, I'll do that when it's convenient. Huh? I'll serve God when it's convenient. I'll live my life for God when it's Convenient. The problem is it's never convenient. And folks, you know why it's never convenient? Let me get back to where we were. The devil makes sure it's never convenient. Hear me, you understand who makes it unconvenient. The devil does. Why? Let me say it again. He wants you to go to hell. He wants to destroy you. He wants you without victory, folks, not with victory. The devil. But can I tell you what the devil makes inconvenient? God can make convenient. You say, what do you mean? You just said life's inconvenient. Where are you sitting at today? What have you heard today? You know what God's done? He's made it convenient. 
today is the day of salvation. Hmm? That man may not perish, man, woman, boy, and girl. Because folks, you do realize that's what happens if you walk out of here lost today. Huh? You could die on your way home and go to hell. Preacher, are you trying to scare me? I could care less about trying to scare you. Do I look scary? I'm trying to be honest with you. Because you're not promised tomorrow. I wonder, are you tired of playing games with God? Huh? You tired of battling things in your life? It's not convenient, preacher, to deal with it. He's given you a convenient time. And that time is right now. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I wonder today. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around. I wonder today. Who might say, I've never received Christ. And the truth is, I walked in lost today. I walked in not knowing Jesus as my Savior. But I need Him to forgive me of my sins. I need Him to come into my heart. I need Him to save me. I wonder, would there be one in the house today to say, I need Jesus. I need to be saved. I wonder if you'd just slip up your hand. I don't know that I'm saved. And if I was to die right now, I don't know where I would go. I wonder, could you just be honest with yourself and be honest with God this morning? I wonder, would you just slip up your hand this morning? I wonder if there'd be a Christian today a born-again child of God who would say, you know what, it's not been convenient for me to follow God, but I'm going I'm to do it today. Convenient or not, I'm going to follow God all the way. I wonder if you'd slip your hand up today. It's not convenient, but I'm going to follow Him today. Preacher, pray for me. Would you slip up your hand? Amen. You know the best place sometimes to be alone with God is at an old-fashioned altar. I wonder, would you come and just give it to Him? Ask Him to strengthen you in a mighty way to follow Him. You know, He's faithful to do it. He's faithful to do it. Heavenly Father, God, I thank You for this day that You've given us, God. God, I do thank You for everything that's taken place today. But God, I ask now as, God, we're closing in on service, God, that people really, truly be real with You. God, that if somebody's lost, God, they'll come forward. And just say, I need to be saved. God, for those that, God, have not followed you. 
God, that they turn away from what might be convenient or not and say, God, I'm not going to put it off. God, I'm going now. God, I ask you to give courage today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.